It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. I talked on my Sunday show, Life, Liberty, and Levin, as I have here before and on Levin TV, of the growing police state in this country. And it's significant. Now, when you have a growing police state in our country, it means you're defying the limits of the Constitution. The Constitution protects us from a police state. That's why there's separation of powers. Three distinct branches, and in the legislative branch, two houses. That's why shortly after the Constitution was ratified, there was a Bill of Rights. And you'll notice that we've had politicians and professors and people on TV saying we should scrap our Constitution and start all over again. Joe Biden has violated the Constitution repeatedly. He's violated separation of powers with his executive orders And on more than one occasion, the courts have had to stop him. Joe Biden has sought to spend money that has not been approved by the House of Representatives. Joe Biden has violated our immigration laws. Joe Biden is trying to pack the courts. His party. His party wants to pack the courts. His party seeks to pack the courts by adding members to the Supreme Court. His party wants to destroy the voting system in violation of multiple parts of the Constitution. And yet all weekend long, and even today, we hear about, once more, Donald Trump is the problem because he wants to destroy the Constitution. Bipartisan criticism. Ladies and gentlemen, the Democrats want to destroy the Constitution. Their media outlets like the New York Times and their 1619 Project, they want to destroy the Constitution. They have destroyed the reputations of the framers of the Constitution. They besmirch them and character assassinate them. They've taken their homes like Madison's home and they've turned it into a, a joke They don't believe in the Constitution. They don't believe in the Bill of Rights. Freedom of speech. They oppose freedom of the press unless it's them. The Second Amendment is routinely under attack. Due process rights. Warrants. Based on probable cause. Now we have something called geo-warrants. And I can go on and on, and I have in the past. The Democrat Party hates the Constitution. The media hate the Constitution. Their ideological forebearers, the so-called progressive movement that began in the late 1800s, in part their entire argument was how to dismantle the Constitution and to do it through a judiciary, an administrative state, executive orders, and you see it happening. The dismantling of the Constitution. I am so sick and tired of what takes place in the media in this country and with the Republicans and the Democrats. You have to hear John Cornyn and others speak out that it is shocking what Donald Trump said. Shocking. Shocking. Trump put out a statement today and he said... I never said eliminate the Constitution. Now, he was president for four years, was he not, Mr. Producer, by my calculation? What did he do to the Constitution? He upheld it. He upheld the Constitution. Unlike Biden. Unlike Biden's Justice Department. Unlike Obama. 
he's no threat to the Constitution. Ron DeSantis isn't a threat to the Constitution. The originalists on the Supreme Court are not threats to the Constitution. The Marxists are threats to the Constitution, and their party, the Democrat Party, is a threat to the Constitution. And that's the truth. And that is the truth. And so this constant propaganda campaign to distract us, to try and cause you to resent certain candidates, to alarm you about certain candidates, Trump, others, DeSantis, and so forth, is part of what Thomas Sowell used to talk about. He wrote a book called The Dismantling of America. And that's what you're observing, the dismantling of America. The news shows lead off with Trump wants to destroy the Constitution. I'm, I'm thinking, what the hell happened in 2020 with the pulling down of monuments? With the removing of the names of the founders and the framers of this country and the Constitution? What was that all about? Or the war on the Supreme Court led by Hakeem Jeffries and his elk on the left? What do they think critical race theory is all about? But it's a war on the Constitution. An assault on the rule of law. And yet, as I said, Trump was in office for four hours. Excuse me, four years. Four years. He did none of those things. Biden's been in office two years, and he's done worse. The Democrat Party, if they had their way, can you imagine? Can you imagine what they do to the Constitution? Can you imagine what their justices would do to the Constitution? So what game is this that they're playing? What game is this? It's a disgusting game. And it's endless. The Democrat Party is another example is the party of slavery, is the party of segregation, is the party that was in bed with the Ku Klux Klan. It is the party that supported lynching. It wouldn't outlaw it even when it had super majorities of the House and Senate under Franklin Roosevelt. And he wanted nothing to do with it. That is the outlawing of it. It is the party that filibustered the 64 Civil Rights Act and yet made one of the primary opponents of the 64 Civil Rights Act their leader in the Senate, minority and majority leader, in whom they praised upon his death, Robert Byrd. They elected as Vice President Al Gore, Al Gore Sr. in 1964, Senator from Tennessee, Democrat, participated in that filibuster. The elected president, Bill Clinton, his mentor was Arbel Forbes, a, a full-throated racist and segregationist in Arkansas. And now they have a president in the Oval Office, putative president anyway, who work closely in their early to mid-70s. With the segregationists and racists in the Senate to prevent school integration, our public school integration. And yet they get to tell us who the racists are, and they get to tell us that Trump wants to destroy the Constitution. Tell me, Trump's what, 78 or 79? He's Biden's age. Trump never led any efforts to oppose school integration. Trump never worked with Stennis or Eastland for legislation. As President of the United States, Trump never made any proposal to harm the Constitution. He appointed judges who would defend and protect the Constitution.
Al Sharpton on the Morning Joe on Friday. As one group wrote, and I can't remember which one, an anti-Semite, an anti-Semite telling us about anti-Semitism. And there he is on the Joe Scarborough show. Who was filling his fat face with lobster at the state dinner for France at the White House. He and the missus. By the way, how come Good Morning America gets rid of that romantic couple on, you know, Joe's history and Mika's, right, Mr. Producer? Just saying. Nobody ever got rid of them. Ah, Joe. So they turned to Al Sharpton to talk about Trump, the Republicans, and anti-Semitism. Now, this is, this is a disgrace. Cut one, go. Well, as a preacher, I can tell you that if you just preach to the choir, if you turn around and there's no one in the audience or in the congregation, you and the choir become irrelevant. And I think that that is what they're doing. They've emptied out the church, so to speak, because people that really do not want to go that far and be perceived or in fact be bigots, biased, anti-Semites, racists are not going to continue to allow them to preach to the choir that they think uh, extols this. And I think that that is the political danger because it also shows you that if you can morally live with that, if you have no problem being perceived as that, then you must deep down inside have some of that bias and bigotry in it yourself. That's why I said, let's see where DeSantis is. Let's see where mm. McCarthy is, because why would you tolerate this unless there's some hidden bias in you? You believe this? DeSantis has been the biggest pro Israel pro-Jewish governor in the country. And same as a congressman. And Al Sharpton, of course, we know his disgusting anti-Semitic history in the past. And McCarthy? McCarthy has had to duke it out with the Democrats in the House, with Tlaib and Omar and their ilk, demanding a resolution, condemning them by name, but that was covered up by Pelosi. Now, here's the problem. They have the media propagandists. So why would Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski bring on Al Sharpton to talk about anti-Semitism? Why would they do that? Talk about insensitivity. When we come back, Chuck Todd. He's using his interview with Benjamin Netanyahu, who he hates who all the Democrats hate, who all the liberals in America hate, who Biden hates, who Obama hates, to try and push their agenda. Now, why are the media doing this? Because these people are not reporters. They're relatively young. They're ideologues. They've been brainwashed and indoctrinated, much like the doctors are right now. There's a heavy push in our colleges and universities for this. And what you see in a Chuck Todd or Jake Tapper is the success of these Marxist professors indoctrinating these these individuals who are all Democrats and all ideologues. Mark Levin. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation 
forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals, and listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN in at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit fastgrowingtrees.com for details. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. So what is populism? For the Revolutionaries, supporters of populism? Does it mean we the people? Does it mean the majority? How do we know what the majority want? By voting for candidates or against candidates? Hmm. Well, that's every two years. What if our views change in the meantime? And who is it that determines what the majority wants? Who is it that determines what's populist in terms of policy? The working people, the middle class, they say. Marx used to talk about classes, but as I told you before, as von Mises pointed out, or Mises, he never defined it. They never defined it. What do we mean by this? The Marxists always talk about the people. The revolutions are always for the people. People like Joe Biden always talk about democracy and the people. What do they mean by the people and democracy? Now, the way our Constitution is set up with divided powers, three branches, really a fourth, the bureaucracy as well. How do we know what the people want and how do we execute and institute the people's will? It's a little more complicated, isn't it, America? When we talk about unalienable rights, does it matter what the majority thinks? Does it matter what's populist or not? These are unalienable rights given to us by God. There's nothing to do with populism. Does it? What is capitalism? At bottom, what is capitalism? Capitalism is your freedom to use your intellectual and physical labor, to use your brain power or your labor power to make something, to create something, to produce something, to acquire something. If that is taken away, or it is in a significant way interfered with by the government, then you're no longer free. You only have so much time on this earth, right? And you spend a lot of it at work, don't you? Well, that's why you work. To acquire things. Whether it's food and a home, whether it's heat, or air conditioning, or whether it's great wealth, whatever it is, it is. So what's populism? Well, the government should be used to help working people. Working people? Yes, working people. Everybody thinks they're a working person. Don't they? Except those who are on the dole, and they could care less. 
But all the people who work, if you don't earn a lot of money, that doesn't mean you're not a working person. If you're working, if you earn a modicum of money, that doesn't mean you're not a working person. You're working. If you make enormous sums of money, that doesn't mean you're not a working person. You're still working. So what's a working person? And what do we mean by middle class? Now, the government sets it up very neatly in order to turn one group against another by grouping us. But what's this middle class stuff? That comes straight from Marx, although he doesn't define it. And he was challenged often, by the way. And he was caught because he says, well, there's subclasses, and, but he would never define it. So it is a mirage, isn't it? Set up for tax purposes, set up for political purposes to turn one American against another. Hatred is a very powerful force. Jealousy is a very powerful force. It's also a distraction. It's intended to create resentment. So what is populism? Well, populism is the opposite of corporatism. But it sounds to me that populism is about government. Government. Now, what is conservatism? I wrote a whole book on it. It's called Liberty and Tyranny. Conservatism is not merely an economic model. It's a way of living. Populism is not a way of living. Populism can't even be defined in any coherent or logical way. And, and one populist won't agree with another populist. And when I hear Josh Hawley talk about it or others who attempt to write about it, but are not particularly intelligent or substantive about what they're writing, it just sounds like a soft socialism to me. Programs to help the middle class. Wow. We've never tried that before, have we? And what does that mean exactly? What programs? And who's going to run them? And who's going to fund them? Which department? Which agency? I mean, after all, the rubber does have to hit the road, right? So why would we reject the Declaration of Independence? Unalienable rights have nothing to do with populism. Your Constitution has absolutely nothing to do with populism. In fact, there are barriers built into your Constitution to prevent it. We call it mobocracy. So if we lose votes, like we lost this last time and so forth and so on, then the Senate should be free to do whatever it wants, right? There should be no filibuster rule. If they have the majority, it's called populism, right? Well, then if that's not populism, what is? Then what is? Well, doing what's in the interest of most of the people. Well, who, who determines that? Bernie Sanders thinks that's government-run socialist health care. That's populism, isn't it? How does populism fit in the constitutional structure exactly? Or how does it fit into the Marxist structure, for that matter? It fits into the Marxist structure much more comfortably than it does into the constitutional structure. Why is that? Because the Constitution doesn't focus on groups, on classes. It focuses on your individual liberty. And what these nouveau or metrosexual populists, if you will, are arguing for is something that they cannot define, that in fact is not definable. They can make their best shot, but it doesn't work. Limited government. We can't argue for limited government anymore. Why not? People are furious with the government, but they want more programs. That's because people need to be spoken to, talked to, informed persuaded 
Which politicians do that today in the Republican Party? You can count them on one hand. One hand. Populists basically abandon the argument. So they dismiss it. That old system doesn't work. What good does it do? I don't know. It created the Industrial Revolution, the wealthiest nation on the face of the earth. The largest, quote-unquote, middle class on the face of the earth. More medicines, more technologies, more foods, more housing than any other system on the face of the earth. I don't know. What do you think, folks? And where's populism? Are they talking about Huey Long populism? What are they talking about? They don't even know what they're talking about. It's a label. Well, you can't run on limited government. It doesn't work. You can't run on capitalism. It doesn't work. You can't run on a smaller government. It doesn't work. Of course it works. One of our greatest presidents in American history, with the greatest electoral victories of any modern president, even much bigger than FDR, much bigger than FDR. Ronald Reagan showed us how to do it. So why do we abandon Reagan? Why do we do that? The economy exploded in growth. The economy grew by 25% during his presidency. Massive. 25 million jobs created from the beginning to the end of his presidency, right into the Clinton presidency. So many new businesses started. Such a vibrant economy. Extraordinarily popular president. More popular than all the... Well, let me put it to you this way. What's the great difference between a Tom Tillis rhino and a populist? Well, look at immigration. Well, well, look at immigration. Populists could have it both ways, right? Secure the border, don't secure the border. What about the debt? Populists can have it both ways, right? We need to increase the debt. In order to spend more money on programs that help the working man and woman. Or we need to cut the debt because inflation hurts the working man and woman. What are the principles of populism? What are they exactly? The stupidity of these arguments. I expect better from the Heritage Foundation. You want to make your case? Please do. I'm more than happy to hear it and read it and know it. Please. Point to it. Show us. Have some really smart people tell us about it. We don't need to hear from pseudo-intellectuals. Smart people. Whomever they are. And they can lay it out for us. Because so far... It sounds like bumper sticker logic and not much more. And we can't run on that. And we can't outdo socialists and Marxists. So where does that leave us? Well, liberty is a very powerful word. And if it's properly understood in the context of society and economics... And it can be used properly in politics and communication. It's a very powerful tool. Unfortunately, and I mean this, the Republicans have abandoned it. And so have these many of these young pseudo-intellectuals who've done the same thing. As I said, conservatism is more than economics, but it certainly is economics. It's a way of life. That's a way of of viewing the world. Mark Levin. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. Well, there's a lot of noise in the media today, but for the wrong reason. For the wrong reason. A jury in New York City, in Manhattan to be specific, 
uh, has found the Trump Organization and a subsidiary guilty of 17 counts of tax violations, conspiracy, falsifying business records, according to the New York Times, over a 15-year period. Now, this is where the CFO uh, pled guilty uh, to receiving certain types of benefits, and at no time, at no time, did he specifically accuse Donald Trump or any of his family members of participation in the process. But the prosecutor continued to hammer away Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Trump company, Trump company, Trump organization, on and on and on and on. Now, what is a jury of your peers, ladies and gentlemen? What is that? It's in the Constitution. What is a jury of your peers? You know, rightly so, that phrase means, you know, you can't just have an all-white jury somewhere, you know, that, uh, that is only allowed to be an all-white jury when you have a black defendant. But how is a Trump person or Trump entity to get a jury of its or their peers in Manhattan? In Washington, D.C. It's quite clear that the politics of the jury and the the party membership of the jurors is very hostile to Donald Trump and Trump entities. So these prosecutors know this, whether they're a district attorney, like this guy Alvin Bragg, a radical leftist Soros uh, judge, excuse me, uh, prosecutor, Or in Washington, D.C., the U.S. Attorney Graves, who's another radical leftist dressed up as a prosecutor. So how do you get a fair trial with a jury of your peers? You don't. And if the shoe were on the other foot, it would be mentioned. Instead... The reporting that came out tonight that I watched, even by friendlies, supposedly, goes on about the conviction of the company, the number of years. But don't worry, it's not the Trumps. But that might empower this guy Bragg, this Soros prosecutor, maybe to go after some of the Trump. Then we bring in a former federal analyst, former federal prosecutor who's now an analyst. Now the Trump Corporation is a convicted tax cheat. Making it difficult for them to do business. Again, no mention. No mention of the circumstances. None. I don't know what we can do about this, but you're watching it. Day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. Next will be Georgia in Atlanta with a Democrat DA. Next may be Washington with a Democrat administration, a Democrat U.S. attorney with a Democrat jury. And nobody talks about civil liberties. Nobody. And in this regard, I want to tell you about something else that's going on here. And that involves the new special counsel. Nothing really special about the guy, just another Democrat hack who, uh, who doesn't have to confront any kinds of challenges and so forth. This Democrat hack, by the name of Smith, Jack Smith, has issued subpoenas for state officials, including elected officials, in Arizona, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And what they want are all the communications that took place with Trump and his people. Anybody know why that's a problem? Now look how many reporters the Washington Compost has on this. 
Amy Gardner, Isaac Stanley Becker, Yvonne Wright Sanchez, and Patrick Marley. Special Counsel Jack Smith has subpoenaed local officials in Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, three states that were central to former President Donald Trump's failed plan to stay in power following the 2020 election for any and all communications with Trump, his campaign, and a long list of aides and allies. Now, that sentence is poison. That's not reporting that he wanted to stay in office. He was challenging an election. Why is a special counsel or a federal prosecutor in Washington, D.C. free to gather those kinds of communications? Because Marky May committed a crime. What crime? What crime? The request for records arrived in Dane County, Wisconsin, Maricopa County, Arizona, and Wayne County, Michigan late last week. And in Milwaukee on Monday, officials said they're among the first known subpoenas issued by Smith the subpoenas, at least three of which are dated November 22, show that Smith is extending the department's examination of the circumstances leading up to the Capitol attack to include local election officials and their potential interaction with the former president and his representatives. The virtually identical request Arizona Wisconsin named Trump individually and additional employees, agents, attorneys for his campaign, details of the Michigan subpoena confirmed by Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, we're not immediately available, and it goes on. So now we have a criminal entity that is appointed by the Biden administration going to basically Republican officials to gather all communications between them and the president, the president's lawyers, the president's campaigns, campaign aides, and so forth. What do you think the founding fathers and the framers of the Constitution would say about this? What do you think they would say? I think they'd say this is a disaster. And so what are they trying to do in Washington, ladies and gentlemen? They're trying to show a massive case, circumstantial, but look for any words, any sentences, any communications of any kind that can create an appearance. An appearance of some kind of lawless act. That's what they're doing. If you had evidence that Donald Trump was involved in some coup effort, or you had evidence that Donald Trump was involved in some insurrection, you wouldn't need all this information. You wouldn't need all these subpoenas. And on top of it, the January 6th committee, which is filled with political hacks, they announced today that they will be making criminal referrals. So, as I said all along, <clears throat> the uh, Congress has been conducting itself as, as a rogue Grand jury filled with prosecutors, if you will. Gathering information, not for the purpose of legislating, not for the purpose of actually finding out why the building wasn't secure at the Capitol, but for the purpose of criminalizing their opponents. So you have Democrats and never Trumpers on the committee. You have Democrats in the U.S. Attorney's Office, none of whom can be trusted. Ask the parents of the country. Ask the pro-lifers in the country. And I don't know what we do about it. How many people are even talking this way to you? People, conservatives, many of them are just tired of talking about this stuff. I'm tired of talking about this stuff, but what am I supposed to do? This is a big deal. Now, all of a sudden, one day, you're going to be presented in the media with indictments. That's my fear, either in New York or Georgia and Washington or all of them. They'll have the legal analysts on who will get it all wrong. They'll miss the best big picture and still no special counsel for the Biden crime family. Oh, and by the way, Susan Collins and Mitt Romney have announced that they will not support an impeachment effort against 
Mayorkas. Isn't that his name, Mr. Producer? Whatever his name is. The head of the Department of Homeland Security. The House impeaches. They will not support it. That's how Republicans conduct themselves. You'd never hear a Democrat say, we're not going to vote to remove a president on that stupid phone call. No. All in. The chorus. And the Republicans wonder why they lose elections. It's because of people like Collins and Romney. It's because of people like McConnell. You dispirit Republicans. You dispirit the base. You pay tens of millions of dollars for pollsters, for groups that are run by the likes of Karl Rove or others. And I'm not picking on him specifically. He's just a perfect example. And you lose. You blame the team party, you blame MAGA, you never blame yourselves. You're never circumspect, and you never will be. That's why Mitch McConnell is the most despised Republican by Republicans in the country. And yet he's the most popular Republican by media, even so-called friendly media, in Washington, D.C. Go figure. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. I want to talk about something here. How Washington and the media attempt to manipulate us. And not just the Democrats in the media, but the Republican establishment in the media and their media. How they try to manipulate us. How they try to get us to think a certain way. Herschel Walker lost last night, and it's too bad. The racism against Herschel Walker from white media types and black media types has been disgusting. And the fact that they laid off Warnock, who is a Marxist, who has embraced racists and anti-Semites like Farrakhan and Leonard Jeffries, and where there were allegations in court by his ex-wife, about physical abuse, physical, and refusing to pay uh, child care and child, child support. It was as if it never happened before. Or his mistreatment of low-income tenants in what has to be called a slumlord operation in an apartment that's owned by his church through a third party. And I guess you can spend $100 million against Herschel Walker to turn him into a monster and to protect a Warnock. And yet all through the pseudo-conservative media, forget about the left, all through the Republican establishment in Washington led by Mitch McConnell, last night it was Donald Trump's fault. Twelve years ago in 2010, when there was a complete blowout on the House of Representatives where the Republicans picked up 63 seats thanks to the Tea Party, they lost a number of seats in the Senate that they thought they would win. They were close. And Mitch McConnell and the Republican establishment and their media, the Wall Street Journal and their ilk, blamed the Tea Party. See the pattern? But really, what is the common denominator here? It's Mitch McConnell and the Republican establishment. They stood for nothing in 2010. And they stand for nothing today. They support amnesty for millions of illegal aliens. In exchange for virtually nothing. McConnell and his cohorts have been negotiating feverishly with the Democrats for an omnibus bill, a massive, multi-thousand-page document where you and I have no say, and neither do the other senators. It looks like it's breaking down, thank God, so they may have a short-term resolution, spending resolution, but that said, that's not his first option, that's not his desired intention. They vote for what they call the Respect for Marriage Act or something of that sort. 
that, 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 that name. That's not what it's about. It's a war on religion act. And we know that because the Republicans that supported it, 12 of them, and the Democrats would not support Mike Lee's amendment, which would fill a gap. They would protect religious institutions and organizations from federal lawsuits and compel them to recognize arrangements, sexual activities that their faith rejects. So that was a war on religion act. We had an infrastructure bill that 19 Republicans voted for well before the election, you might recall, including McConnell. Another trillion or so on the pot, adding to the pile of debt. Where is it? What's happened to it? Now, McConnell's been in the Senate 38 years. Since 1984. The borders are wide open. We have 31 trillion in debt. We're losing liberty every day. The Republicans are losing elections that they should be winning. And much like Biden. Much like Biden who blames inflation on others. Who blames gas prices on others and all the rest of it. McConnell does the same, except the difference is McConnell blames conservatives. Why? Because he's always hated conservatives. They make life difficult for him. That's what they do. We're told McConnell has done a fantastic job on the judiciary. Joe Biden has pushed through more judges at this time in his presidency than Ronald Reagan did or Donald Trump did. And he's loaded up federal district courts and appellate courts with activists. Mitch McConnell has not stopped them. There's been no filibuster battle. Nothing of any consequence. The minority can do a lot in the Senate, as Chuck Schumer has demonstrated to us on those rare occasions when he's been in the minority. But we conservatives are told over and over again, it's the Tea Party's fault, it's Donald Trump's fault, it's the fault of conservatives. Was it our fault that John McCain lost against Barack Obama? Was it our fault that Mitch Romney lost against Barack Obama? Was it our fault that George W. Bush barely won in Florida, but won thanks to the U.S. Supreme Court doing the right thing? These people would have you believe that they're, they're always one election away from some kind of a historic event. If only you and I would shut up. If only you and I would get out of the way. If only the Tea Party would drop dead. If only Trump would drop dead. And it'll be the next conservative after that and after that and after that. And yet they're in power for decades. Have things improved? Under the Republicans in the Senate in particular, there have been efforts in the House, no question. The Gingrich Revolution, fantastic. And by that, I'm not talking about kamikaze Republicans and pseudo-conservatives are just trying to, to be drama queens and draw attention to themselves. I'm not talking about that. Serious-minded, serious conservatives. Truth is, Donald Trump has done more to change the Supreme Court than Mitch McConnell ever did. Ever. What is the legislative agenda today of the Senate Republicans? We know in the case of the House, they're still fighting with each other. What is the legislative agenda? What was it before the election? What was it during the election? And what is it today? They have none. With all these problems piling up, the dismantling of America by the Democrat Party, the failures of the ruling class, 
What is their agenda? Seems to me there's so many things they can be doing. They should be at least laying out three, four, five, six things they intend to do, including when they intend to trigger the filibuster to stop the Democrats. What is it? What is it? There's nothing. You can't rally the voters. You can't rally the troops with nothing. We lost these seats and we lost these elections for two reasons. None of which has to do with Donald Trump. None of which had to do with the Tea Party. Because there's no effective leadership in the Republican Party. In the Senate. And they don't even try. Because they don't believe. They don't share our values and they don't share our principles. They stand for nothing. When you say you want to meet the Democrats on the 40-yard line while they're destroying America, you're insane. When you're asked before the election, what is your number one objective? And you say bipartisanship. You're a fool. There was no wall being built in all these years when McConnell was in the Senate, 15 years as the Republican leader, when George W. Bush was president, when George H. Bush, W. Bush was president. None. Who was it that prevented the elimination of Obamacare? John McCain. Who is it today that throws in with the Democrats as a saboteur to any conservative agenda? Mitt Romney. Who is it that's working with the Democrats today to blow up the budget, to blow up the debt, to further blow up immigration? It's McConnell and the boys and the girls. And who is it that cost us the election last night? Who is it that cost us elections on election day? The same people who cost us Senate seats in 2010. Not the activists. Not those who are sick and tired of what McConnell and Schumer, what Washington is doing to them out in the hitherlands. It's McConnell and his ilk, supported by major media, pseudo-conservative media. Donald Trump is just the latest foil. They always have a foil. This candidate or that candidate's bad. Look at the rhinos in the Senate. You see any Churchills there? You see any Thatchers there? You see any Reagans there? Are these top-notch people? No. They're not top-notch at anything. And they prove it every day. In the U.S. Senate. They prove it every day. But they want to cut deals. Collins, Romney, Tillis. They're lining up. Wanting to cut deals. With a party the Democrat Party that is out to destroy this country and our way of life that does not believe in the Constitution that's the next thing suspend the Constitution we've heard about this McConnell couldn't wait to go out there yesterday and attack Donald Trump again this is a defense of conservatism a defense of activism a defense of you the patriots in this country Trump was president for four years. Did he ever suspend the Constitution? Did he ever do damage to the Constitution? Did he ever defy a court? No, he appointed constitutionalists to the courts. 
He did more to uphold the Constitution than most of his predecessors. But who is it that wants to suspend the Constitution? Who is it that's trying to destroy the independence of the judiciary? Who is it that violates separation of powers every damn day with his executive orders? Who is it that won't apply the Constitution of the law to immigration in the border? Who is it that spends money from the Oval Office that is not granted by the House of Representatives? Who is it that attacks the framers of the Constitution and says we need to start all over? Why doesn't McConnell drag his sorry ass in front of a microphone and attack those people who are doing real damage to this country and real damage to our Constitution? Because he's a coward. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. So Joe Biden just traded... Just traded. I guess like it's some kind of a baseball game. The number one terrorist arms dealer on the face of the planet. For a basketball player. Who went into Russia shortly before Russia invaded Ukraine and had been preparing to invade Ukraine. With marijuana vaping or whatever it is in her suitcase. And, of course, Putin exploited it by locking her up for nine years. In the meantime, a Marine who's been there for four years is stuck there, accused of espionage. And we don't normally use Marines for espionage, Mr. Producer. And there's another individual over there who's in prison for using marijuana so why is this basketball player woman's basketball player why is she being released in exchange for victor bout does anybody know well i'll tell you i'll tell you what the huffington compost thinks anybody out there who dares to question this is obviously a bigot and a racist. Because Griner is African American. She's a lesbian. And so you're a bigot, you see. And you're a racist. And just because she very publicly said as a member, a star of the Women's National Basketball Association, that she would not come out to any basketball game while the national anthem is being played as her form of protest against systemic police racism and racial injustice. It doesn't mean this country shouldn't have bent over backwards to trade her to get her back in exchange for the world's most horrendous arms dealer and terrorist. Meanwhile, the other two Americans remain in prison because Putin wouldn't give them up, especially the Marine. Especially the Marine. So you have to ask yourself, America, well, under what conditions can we get this Marine back? I mean, there's only one worst of the worst arms dealer and terrorist, right? What's left? Nothing's left. So people are asking legitimate questions. That's number one. Number two... Yes, if Donald Trump had made such a trade, rather than, rather than for Brittany Griner, but for somebody else, he would be told and said to be selling out to the Russians, wouldn't he? This demonstrates that he's on the Russian payroll, right? Number three, how do you think the rest of the world is going to view this? They're going to think this is easy pickings. Easy pickings. And they're going to be right. No, this quote-unquote trade should never have been made. 
Ever. And I don't really care what the radical left media have to say. They do not care about the security of this country. And for them, all the talk about equality, the fact is, in our country, some people are more equal than others. And that is the people of the left are clearly viewed as superior to everybody else. Because the media are the people of the left. That's why Barack Obama can go to Georgia and smear and character assassinate Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker, an accomplished black man who's treated in a very racist way by Obama, by Joe Scarborough. It's a, uh, it's a free attack. But not for the left. That's why The View and other people who brought on national TV platforms can get away with saying the things they say. The racist things. The misogynistic things against conservative women. But this is a disaster. And of course, we needed to use the Saudis and the UAE as the intermediaries because Biden simply doesn't have any clout. So Biden... Gave up what Putin wanted. You can be sure that he's going to use this guy who's been called the merchant of death. In his campaign, not just against the Ukrainians, but against his own people, against other countries and so forth. And I'm sure Brittany Griner will go back to being an anti-American reprobate. But that's okay, you see. It's okay. And if you disagree with this, you're obviously a white supremacist or a racist. There could be no other explanation. Stephen Green, writing at PJ Media, Victor Bout, arms dealer, terrorist, and worse, who more than earned his merchant of death sobriquet, is once more a free man. But who is he? The world's most successful arms merchant was born 55 years ago, an ethnic Ukrainian in Soviet Tajikistan, part of the Turkic Central Asia, also known as Sanctions Buster, Bout got his start in arms dealing during the chaotic years after the fall of the Soviet Union. That heavily militarized former superpower left everything from state-of-the-art jets and tanks to nuclear missiles and bombers, all scattered around newly independent countries like Ukraine and Kazakhstan. There were lots of shady deals to be made with cash-strapped governments and high-ranking military officers. Bout reportedly smuggled more than $32 billion in various weapons out of Ukraine during the 90s. It was during this same period, 1994 to be exact, that then-President Bill Clinton was negotiating the Budapest Memorandum between Russia Federation and several former Soviet republics, including Ukraine. And Kiev agreed to give up former Soviet nuclear weapons and delivery systems in exchange for security guarantees that turned out to be worthless. Worthless. Maybe the best that can be said about the Budapest Memorandum is that it may have prevented Bout from getting his hands on any nuclear weapons because this guy will sell it literally to anybody. Part of his 2012 conviction in a New York federal court was for attempting to buy and sell anti-aircraft missiles to terrorist organizations for use against passenger jets, including ours, by the way. Bout was sentenced to 25 years in prison, and Moscow's been trying to get him released ever since. Ever since. Well, now they got him. You have to ask why the Kremlin would be so eager to get a terrorist sponsor released from prison. I can give you two answers. First is that Bout has almost certainly been paying kickbacks, protection money, really, to the criminal clique that runs the Russian Federation. The other, at least according to several European governments, is that Russia is itself a terrorist state. But back to Bout. In the early 2000s, he got heavily involved in trafficking weapons to various African dictators and thugs. He's believed sometimes to have been working at the behest of Russian intelligence. He was arrested by Thai authorities in 2008, 
after a sting operation involving a paid DEA informant. Bout was involved, he thought, in a conspiracy to supply Russian anti-aircraft and armor-piercing rocket launchers to FARC, the communist rebel group in Colombia. He was extradited to the U.S. in 2010 and charged with conspiracy to provide material support or resources to a designated foreign terrorist organization conspiring to kill Americans, conspiring to kill American officers or employers, employees rather, and conspiring to acquire and use an anti-aircraft missile, as well as wire fraud and money laundering and all the rest. And just like that, as I speak, he's back in Russia. I'm sure he'll be a very good citizen there. And I'm sure he won't lash out against the United States. And this is what Joe Biden did. And he wants to be celebrated, and he wants to be thanked, and he wants to be praised for what he did. Now, he should be condemned for what he did. Condemned. Meanwhile, Paul Whalen, the Marine, who's been there for four years. I'm not Nostradamus. I can't make predictions. But I suspect he'll be there now for a lot longer. Because there's nothing to trade for him, is there? And apparently Russia really bargained very tough, very hard. Because the best we could do was to get a basketball player who shows nothing but contempt for this country publicly. And Russia got exactly what they wanted. Just another day in the neighborhood. 